Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. I, I want to meet with the Lord. I came today, here, this morning, uh, not because it was my job. It, it is my job. Um, and so I had an obligation to be here this morning. Uh, but I came here this morning because I want to meet with the Lord. And so this might be our church. You may be visiting with us this morning. You may have been here for years. You may have never been here to Whitechapel Church. It's our desire when we gather together here to meet with the Lord. I'm excited about this new year, very, very excited uh, about this new year. Uh, Some of you may be thankful that 2021 is gone and uh, it's over with, and it's out of here, and that year has gone. Uh, some of you, I found a cartoon that I really like, though. Some of you may be going into 2022 like this, um, like that mouse that's roaming all around here. Uh, you may be like peeking around the corner, and you may be looking into the door and poking with a stick and saying, man, I don't know what holds, or what t- uh, the year 2022 holds, but I'm a little bit timid to go into that. Some of you may have thought 2021 was a horrible year. You may have thought that 2021 was an amazing year. And then some of you may be in between. And some of you may have been like, 2021? What was 2021? Uh, Here's another cartoon that I actually found on Facebook. Um, And it's uh, goodbye 2021, welcome to 2022, happy new year. And she's bouncing from one building down to the fireman, and then she's bouncing right into the other building that's on fire. And you know why I love this this cartoon? Because that's exactly what every one of us are doing, right? The only thing that changed, the only thing that changed was the last number of the year. Nothing else really changed. We're just a couple of days into a new year. Uh, And so the only thing that changed was just, it's a new calendar. I took one off the wall and I put a new calendar up. You know what didn't change? God. (laughs) God didn't change. He's the same God yesterday. He's the same God today. And he'll be the same God forever. You know what I love about God? He invented time. (laughs) He made time for us. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1, he set the moon, he set the sun, he gave us light and he divided it. So we would have morning and we would have evening. God gave us this time. This is a gift from the Lord. And even in the hard times of 2021 or in the hard times of 2020 or the hard times you've had in the past and the hard days that you're going to have ahead, this I know, God will meet with you. God will meet with you if you're willing to meet with him. The choice is up to us. And so we may be bouncing from one building on fire into the next building on fire, but I know, I know that God is actually with us. I want to ask you to turn with me today to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at 1 Peter and what um, I believe the Lord wants to say to us as a congregation today. Uh, But before I do that, I have to tell you happy anniversary. I've been here for a year now. And, well, tomorrow it'll be a year that I've been here. And so I just want to say happy anniversary to all of you. And this is what I've learned in a year. You are a peculiar people. 
No, I mean that as a compliment. I, I mean it in a very complimentary way. You are a peculiar people, and that is a compliment. And we're going to see in First Peter, in First Peter chapter two this morning, that a peculiar people is exactly what God desires for us to be. And so you are exactly who God desires for you to be. And so in this last year, in you discovering how peculiar I am, and me discovering how peculiar you are, we're just exactly who God desires for us to be. A few months ago, um, well, I, I have been praying for quite some time, but a few months ago, uh, the Lord woke me up, um, and I hate when he wakes me up and the first number on the clock is four, and it's not four in the afternoon, it's four when it's dark outside. But the Lord woke me up very, very early, uh, four something in the morning, uh, a, couple, a few months ago, and in my mind, the song Consecration, the old Church of God hymn, Consecration, uh, was, was, I was singing it over and over and over. And I thought, why in the world am I waking up this early singing a hymn that I didn't even remember that I knew the words to? So as I lay there in bed trying to decide, am I awake or am I going to be able to go back to sleep, I'm singing the song, since Jesus gave his life for me, should I not give him mine? And then I get to the, the end chorus, my life, O oh Lord, I give to thee, my talents, time, and all. The whole idea of this song, it's titled Consecration, is, is that we, as God's children, would be consecrated, surrendered, wholly his, giving him the permission to mold us however he see, sees fit. And so I'm, I'm wanting to go back to sleep, I'm not ready to get out of bed. I can't sing out loud because Melissa's in bed next to me and I'll wake her up. And so this song is going through there and I get to the third verse and I'm like, okay, I have to get out of bed. I have to see what the Lord may be speaking to me through this. As I, as I go through this and, and I, I go into the living room and I'm having some conversation with the Lord, so I'm gonna take you on this journey and we'll get to 1 Peter chapter two here in just a minute. Um, it's important and it's important to where we're going and what I think the Lord is doing here with us as Whitechapel Church is why I'm taking some time to tell you this in this journey that I've been on for a few months with the Lord. In this time, one of the things that the Lord said is very important for us as a congregation to know is he's leading us into a new season. I want you to catch that because it's very important. He is leading us into a new season. And so as I began to, to really wrestle with the Lord, what is this new season? What does it look like? What are the steps we're taking in the season? What are you doing? How do we then begin to act? And how do we operate as a church ministry? And what are the things that you desire to do? One of the things the Lord really pressed on me is that we as a congregation have to be a congregation that is wholly 100% consecrated to him. We can't be consecrated to other people. We can't have other things that are in our life that have the first place. Everything has to be surrendered completely to him. We are 100%. We are holy, totally consecrated to him. And so over the next several weeks, I don't know how long it'll be, we're gonna talk about what does it look like for us as a church, as Whitechapel Church, to be consecrated to him. How do we operate with a church who next year, or, well, wow, we're already there. Uh, I'm forgetting, I have to write 2022 on things that I write now. Um, in this year, in just a few months, we're gonna celebrate our 90th birthday as a congregation. We are in our 50th year as Warner Christian Academy. 
We have an amazing thrift store and outreach center. We've got some amazing ministries, and there's a lot on the horizon for us. But before we get into all of those things, we have to figure out what does it look like for us to be consecrated to him? What does it look like for us to live submitted lives to him? We're going to talk about that, and it's important for us to get that as a church because of this season that he is actually leading us into. This must be a season of preparation, of consecration, of surrender and submission, 100% to God Almighty. The other thing that the Lord told me that it's important for us to realize is that this is a season that he is leading us into. You know the, the thing about seasons? Seasons don't last forever. It's not fall forever. Now, I know in Florida, we have summer forever. Well, we have, I say we have two seasons. We have summer and February, and that's what it's like to live in Florida. But at least we have February, right? And there is a different season, and it's coming up in a, in a few days. We've got a different season. It's not summer all of the time for us. There are different seasons. Seasons come and seasons go. And this church has had some amazing seasons. There have been some challenging seasons. But the Lord is leading us to a new season. We have to discern that together as leaders and as a body. We have to be consecrated to what he is doing, submitted to him, surrendered to him. And we have to walk forward in that. This is that season. And I want you to catch this. This is that which I believe the Lord has spoken to me for us as a church we have to become a refuge of grace. I, I said it just a little bit earlier. I actually went back in my journal, and I've journaled through this months and before I actually came here uh, in that transition period that we were in and preparing to come here. I actually preached a sermon on it back last February, and this is that season the Lord is leading us. We have to become a refuge of grace. And you know what I've discovered? Dr. Berquist in the 70s actually talked to us about that, of this place becoming a refuge of grace. And look at the grace that's been poured out in this place. Look at the people who've walked into these walls in the old chapel and in this room and across this campus and over the years. Look at the people that have come here and experienced the grace of God that forever and eternity their lives would be changed. This is who God desires for us to be. This is what we have to become. And this is a journey, <clears throat> excuse me, that I believe the Lord is leading us on. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. It's interesting in the scripture that I want to share with you this morning in preparation for this new season the Lord is leading us unto. actually doesn't talk about grace, but instead it talks about us being a peculiar people. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that it may be grown up in your salvation, so that you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have any of you tasted that the Lord is good? I want, I want, I want to see your hands this morning. Have any of you tasted that the Lord is good? Let me tell you, the Lord is good. The Lord is good, and when you experience the grace of God, 
you will grow up in your salvation because we've experienced that the Lord is good. And I believe that God is calling us to be a refuge of grace because he's been so good to us. Listen, we can't keep his goodness inside these walls. We cannot become hoarders of the goodness of God, but instead we have to take the goodness that we have received to a community that is in darkness and is dying and going to hell. That's why God desires for us to be a refuge of grace, because we as Whitechapel Church for 90 years now have experienced the goodness of God. Peter goes on to write, in verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Verse 7, Now to you who believe, that's us, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Listen to verse 9. But you are a chosen people. And I speak this over us, Whitechapel Church, as a word of prophecy for this new season the Lord is leading us into. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. You see, that's consecration, which war against your soul. Live such good lives, again, consecration among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that that he visits us. There was a pastor in Charleston, South Carolina in the late 1800s that when he retired, he had such great impact on the community as hundreds and hundreds of people surrendered their lives to Christ in a great awakening in South Carolina that when he retired in, in the early 1800s, in 1836, they put a plaque on the outside of the church and this is what the plaque said about him. He was steadfast and uniform in his peculiar convictions and actions. He was steadfast in his peculiar convictions and his actions. I want us Whitechapel to church to become a church that is peculiar in our convictions in the way that Volusia County would accuse us of living in relationship with God. So that as people who are in darkness see us, they're like, man, there's something peculiar about those people. There's something a little bit different about those people. But despite their peculiarness and despite their differences from the culture here, I want exactly what they want. It kind of makes you wonder about this peculiarness. 
the peculiarness that Peter was actually talking about here. In the King James Version, in 1 Peter verse 2 and 9, this is what it says. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. So you see, when I say, Whitechapel, that we are a peculiar people, it is a huge and the highest compliment that we could ever receive. Because this is exactly who God was dreaming in, 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 um, in the Bevels when they launched a Sunday school that would eventually become First Church of God and then First Church of God of South Daytona and then Whitechapel Church. God dreamed of us being a peculiar people that we would actually be consecrated to him so that this entire community would fall in love with him. So I dove into early in the morning uh, a few months ago, I dove into this idea of consecration. What does it mean to be submitted to him? What does it mean to be consecrated to him? I finally get over here to us becoming a royal priesthood, a, priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people that's belonging to God, or a peculiar people. And the word chosen here really and literally means to be selected. And I love that. Selected. Another way that we could write this is hand-picked. It's kind of like whenever you want to get not just what is actually at the market in vegetables, but you want to get the choice vegetables. And you actually have a privilege of being able to go into where the vegetables or the fruits are actually being grown. And there you get to go through the fields or the rows. And you actually get to hand pick or select the, the ones that you want, the vegetables or the fruits that you want. So you're leaving some behind and you're taking your choice. You're taking your pick and you're carrying that with you. I believe with every ounce of my being that God has handpicked every one of us right now to be a part of this church at this moment and this time so that we together can become consecrated, surrendered wholly to him as his chosen people, as a royal priesthood or a holy nation. Chosen is the same word that's translated in the beginning of 1 Peter in verse 2, when actually Peter writes, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Again, sanctifying. You know what that is? Consecrated people. That's the Holy Spirit doing a work inside of us and transforming us. Jesus exchanged us in our sinful nature with a new creature. Paul said, we have become new. The old is gone and the new has come. So Jesus has exchanged our life of sinfulness into this being, and then the Holy Spirit has done his sanctifying work inside of us. Peter said it's the sanctifying work of the Spirit or a consecrated life, submitted, surrendered, consecrated 100% to God. And then he says at the end of verse 2, for the obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by his blood. Here's what's interesting to me. In the sprinkling by his blood. And Peter, which some would say would be the first priest of the Catholic Church, that he would be the first of all of the first in this. We can, we'll talk about that just, just a little bit and what that looks like for us in this new season the Lord is leading us, leading us in. It's interesting that Peter actually starts out by talking about the sprinkling of the blood here. 
Because if we were to look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament, when we think about priests, we often go back to the Old Testament, and we think of the Old Testament priest, and it was the Old Testament priest's job to take the sacrifice of the bulls, the goats, and they would then, on the Day of Atonement, go into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, and then they would deal with the sacrifice so that the people's sins would then be atoned for. And Peter is talking about actually all of us, even here in 2022, all of us being a royal priesthood. And he's talking about the sacrificing of the blood here, of us being a peculiar people, not an odd people, but rather a consecrated, a sanctified people in who God desires for us to be. And Peter is not saying that as his priests, we have to be like the Old Testament priests, and we have to have a day that's set aside where we get a sacrifice of a bull or a goat, and we go in and we deal with a sacrifice, and we offer that sacrifice actually for the atonement of our sins. Peter is saying Jesus was that sacrifice, and there then, as he is the high priest, we then become his royal priesthood in actually living out and administering the grace of God, a refuge of grace, to those that are actually around us. Listen, I believe wholeheartedly that this is who God has dreamed for us to be, a priesthood, a royal priesthood. And you know, we in the church of God have believed this for well over a century. We talk about the priesthood of all believers. Not just that there are pastors or, or there are those that are ministers that lead us that we would actually say are the priests, that they're responsible and they are the priests and nobody else. But you know, we believe in the priesthood of all believers so that once you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you become a part of this royal priesthood. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, those are, are, who gave himself for us that's Jesus, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, consecrated, zealous people, a peculiar people, again, a select or a chosen people. Peter goes on to say it's a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Martin Luther, when he was having a disagreement with the church, and just before he wrote his theses, he was struggling with this idea because at that time, the church recognized people as priests, and they were the only ones that were priests, and nobody else would be considered priests. Martin Luther was reading through Peter, and he was studying Peter's works, and then in Jude and some other places, and what it was like in the Old Testament. And this is something that Martin Luther wrote about this passage of Scripture. He said, this word priest should become as common as the word Christian. Listen to this. Because all Christians are priests. Now that was heresy when Martin Luther was writing that. Because only certain people were recognized as priests. And the priest had a certain process that they had to go through in order to be recognized as priests. And Martin Luther was saying, I don't want you to necessarily say Christian all the time. But I want you to say priest all the time because every single one of us have a priestly obligation with the grace that God has actually given to us. Martin Luther went on to say this, I maintain, he says, that the plowboy and the milkmaid can only do priestly work. In fact, their plowing and milking is priestly work. Listen, you are a royal priest. 
Martin Luther says the plowmaid or the, the, the plowboy, which, which we don't have anymore, the milkmaid, which we don't have anymore, they are priests. So he would say these people that are servants, if you will, they then are priests. And in fact, those two in their plowing and their milking, they are doing priestly work. That's what Peter is saying to us. As the believers, we are a royal priesthood. We are priests. Whitechapel, we have to be a congregation of priests that are priesting everywhere that we are at. We're going to work through this in, in the months ahead, going into this new season. What does that look like? How is it that we can priest? What does priesting really mean in 2022? How can we as Whitechapel Church be a royal priesthood? What does that actually look like? And so if we were to go back to God's dreams that I believe he's revealed for us, the second one is the sending out of a thousand leaders. When I first, <clears throat> excuse me, when I first was sitting with the Lord and the Lord was, was showing me what his dreams were for us as a ministry, I thought this dream was for Warner Christian Academy. I've shared, with, with, uh, I've shared that with you before. I thought that that was how we were sending out a thousand leaders. And the Lord said, no, the church is how God reveals his dreams. He doesn't do it through schools. He doesn't do it through other. God's work is always in the church. God's work never excludes the church because Jesus died for the church. It is the bride of Christ, and the bride is never excluded from what the bridegroom is actually doing. And so as God really began to speak to me with this, the sending out of a thousand leaders, and over this past few months, one of the things the Lord showed me is the sending of leaders includes every single one of us. It's every single one of us. Well, how is the Lord sending us? We're a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. Just like the plowboy and the milkmaid that Martin Luther said. Their plowing and their milking is priesting. So whenever you show up to work, you know what you're doing at your job? You're priesting. You're living out the relationship of grace that God has actually given to you. So if your job is sitting behind a desk and it's spending time on a computer or whatever that might look like for you, and, and where, so if that is your job, when you show up, you've got to have the mindset of, you know what, I'm priesting today. In spending time on this computer and having interactions with other people, you're priesting today. If your job is leading a, a, a team of other people and you've got employees that work for you, you know what you're doing every day that you show up and you're leading that team, you're priesting. You've got to figure out, how do I lead this team of people in, in the way that a priest would in administering the grace of God? If your job is showing up and teaching, you are showing up as a priest, and you've got a priest. We're sending out leaders as priests in a refuge of grace that then can change this community. We're never going to change this community by waiting for them to show up here. We've got to go to where they're at and priest right where they're at. Because they don't come to the priest first. The priest has got to go to the people. You see, that's, that's how the change took place from the Old Testament priest to us as New Testament priests, as a royal priesthood. We've got to go. That was the call of Jesus whenever he was getting ready to ascend back to the right hand of the Father and back to the throne. He said, I want you to go. You're going to be my witnesses, right? So we've got to go as a royal priesthood. If you drive a truck for a living, you've got to drive that truck as a priest would drive that truck. 
If you actually spend time babysitting kids, you've got to show up every day and you've got to spend time as a priest babysitting those kids. If you are retired and you spend time in relationship with other people, you've got to show up every single day as a priest in relationship with all of those people. If you are retired and you don't do anything, then you've got to figure out a way that you can go be a priest. <laughs> because God's dream for you is to be a priest Peter would not write that we are to be a royal priesthood and then for us to put a lid on the grace that God has given to us and say, you know what? I'm finished. I'm going to get to heaven. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I don't have to do anything else. I'm just here as God's redeemed child. Listen, that is a lie from the enemy. And Whitechapel Church is a refuge of grace with priests, you, that are going out to transform this community around us. You see, the call of God on every single one of us is that every single one of us would then go forward in 1 Peter 2.9. I had to find it there because I'm getting ahead of myself. But I want you to hear this right now. This is what a priest actually does. Peter says that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then in the last part of verse 9, he says, this is what you have to go do that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, Peter says, you are a priest in relationship with God, and the purpose of the priest ultimately is that you would go declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and sin into his wonderful light. So we'll talk a lot about this community around us in darkness, and we are priests that take the light as his grace into the darkness, that the darkness then is pierced by the light and transformed. And you know what the promise of God is? Light drives out darkness. We cannot any longer complain about the darkness in this community when we hold the light. Because the only way that darkness leaves is when the light, a bunch of priests, go into the darkness, and then the darkness has to flee. If you've ever walked into a dark room, I was just sharing with, with someone yesterday. When I first came here, uh, I was amazed at all of the hidden corners and the nooks and crannies of where things are in this building. Buildings. We've got so many storage rooms that used to be until a year ago, they were so full of some junk. We started cleaning out some of these rooms. And up here um, on the addition um, between where the, the elementary building is and the, the church offices are, at the top of the stairs, there was a closet that I had missed. It's kind of a hidden door. It's, it's not, it doesn't have a door handle. It doesn't even have real door hinges on it. And I had missed that room. And I walked into that room, and the door was creaky, and I couldn't find the light. I'm like, I'm not going in this room. <laughs> um, and I peeked in, and I guess from a previous uh, fall festival, uh, something or other that was going on, there was a coffin in that room. And I was really not going in that room at that point. So I stepped out, and you know the first thing I did? I had my phone with me. I found the flashlight on my phone. I couldn't find the light in the room, and I put my phone in first, and then I peeked around the door because I wanted to know what was in there. You know why? Because the darkness was scary until I backed up for a minute and remembered that I had the light with me, and the light that I held in my hand drove out the darkness that was in that room, 
And then I walked in with confidence. There's a lot of darkness around us, priests. But we've got the light. And we cannot allow the darkness to scare us any longer. Because our job, as Peter said in verse 9, is to go into the darkness. And our job as priests of God in a refuge of grace is to take the light with us and priest wherever we go and declare the good deeds of Almighty God. This is who God desires for us to be. We have to priest in our home. We have to priest in our job. We have to priest in our family. We have to priest in our neighborhood. And we're going to talk about what all that means over the next, over this forever, probably. Um, You're probably going to get tired of talking about being priest. But this is who God desires for us to be in this new season, is to take hold of that which he has actually dreamed for us. We are a refuge of grace And in this refuge of grace are a bunch of priests that are going out into this community that are transforming it. Paul actually gave us the how of what this actually looks like. What are the first steps for us? In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12, Paul tells us that is in him, that's in Jesus, and through faith in him, again, that is Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you know one of the beautiful things that the Old Testament priest had the privilege of doing? It was actually going into the presence of God. The priest had access to the presence of God in the way that Adam and Eve had access to God in the Garden of Eden. The Old Testament priest, at the appointed time that God God had set up the structure, he had told him exactly how it needed to be done, and the Old Testament priest had the opportunity of going, there were not all of them had that opportunity, it was a part of the high priest, and we could talk about all of that, but on the Day of Atonement, the priest actually got to go into the presence of God, to see the glory of God. And you know what they did? They tied a rope around the priest's ankle, So that if for some reason the priest had not properly prepared and in the presence of God he was struck dead, they would be able to drag him out of there. You know what? Paul says, we don't have that problem any longer. Because we are a royal priesthood with Jesus as the high priest. And because of what Jesus has done for us, it's through, it's in him, in Jesus, and through faith in him, Jesus, the work that Jesus has done, we then have the privilege of being able to approach God with freedom and confidence. And so when we sing on a Sunday morning, the Lord is in this place, we can go with freedom and confidence into the presence of God because of what Jesus has done for us, because we are a priesthood. God has given us that access. And so just how it was in the Old Testament with the Old Testament priests who could go into the presence of God, we then have that opportunity. You see, that was the purpose. We just celebrated it in Christmas. That was the purpose of Jesus coming to be with us. God with us. He came to be with us. So he then made us this priesthood so that as we go into darkness, we carry the presence of God with us. You see, before the priest had to go to the presence of God, now God said, I'm going to come to you in him and through faith in him. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. So God is with us. 
So we, as his priest in a refuge of grace, can now take God with us wherever we go. Again, going back, it's in our homes, it's in our jobs, it's in our neighborhood, it's every, in our family, in our relationships, everywhere we go. We just have to figure out what does a priest do and how does a priest operate. I don't want to get into this idea that Martin Luther actually wrote a lot about of the damage that was done whenever we identify a certain group of people inside of a church ministry is they are the only ones that are priests. They are priests, but we too are priests. We too have the opportunity. I don't want to talk about all of that. I just want us to know who we are. I want to know what our purpose is and this awesome privilege that we actually have in being the priest of God. So in Ephesians 3.12, Paul says, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Don't miss this. This is direct access to the throne of God. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for somebody to go to the throne for you. You have direct access to the throne of God in the way the Old Testament priests do. Only priests have this opportunity. Only priests have this amazing privilege. And we have that privilege. So when you call out the name Jesus, do you know what? You have the Creator's attention. When you want to get His attention and you need to have conference with the God of all creation, all it takes is you saying, God, I'm going in faith in what Jesus has done for me that I, as a priest, have direct access to your throne. We, as His priests, as a priesthood of all believers, we have to figure out what it's like to spend time in the throne room of God. Listen, Volusia County will be changed when we spend more time as priests in the throne room than anywhere else. And so we're going to be intentional this year of getting into the throne room, having that access to God, having, um, having conference with the creator of the universe. We have that privilege because we are his children. One of the things that the Old Testament priests actually did, we talked about it just briefly, is they offered sacrifices. Now, we do not offer sacrifices any longer. Jesus was once and for all the sacrifice for sin. He was the payment. He was the atonement. He is the high priest, and he gave that sacrifice for our sins. So we don't have to offer that sacrifice of bulls and goats and blood any longer. But we still offer sacrifice. That's a part of still what we actually do. And Paul actually told us in Romans chapter 12, here is your sacrifice. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. You know what that is? Consecrated. Consecrated to God. Holy. Set aside for a, for a peculiar, particular purpose. You know what? We have China that we don't use. We've moved with this china five times. We've never taken it out of the box. We have two sets, Melissa's grandma's set and my grandma's set. We don't use this china. This china is holy. I don't know if we'll ever use it, but we've got it. And however many more times we move, we're gonna keep this china with us. You know what though? That china is special. That china is something that we never even let the movers touch the boxes. 
because we don't want anything to happen to that China. Do you know what? We are a holy people just like that China. And that's the way that God actually views us. It's for a particular purpose that God has called you. It is for a particular use, a peculiar use that God has for us as Whitechapel Church. And we have to figure that out. We have to talk about it. We have to flesh it out. We have to have conversation about it. We've got to get into the scriptures and get into the throne room and figure out what God's purpose. Why has he called us holy? Why has he placed us here? And what is it that he is doing in this next season? Because we are a living sacrifice, we'll be able to find out. But if you don't want to sacrifice, if you don't want to become holy, if you don't want to become peculiar, if you don't want to become particular to God, if you don't want this, you don't have to have it. But God says, listen, if you want this, and if you want to spend time in the throne room, and if you are willing to be a living sacrifice, then, then, then we will see the power of God move. And then, and only then, will we see the darkness that surrounds us run from the light. You see, sacrifice is still something that priests offer today in 2021. It's no longer the bulls and the goats, and it's no longer about blood. The sacrifice is us. The sacrifice is us becoming a living sacrifice. It's us submitting 100% to what God desires to do in and then through us. Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. And so this morning, this is my ask of you. Are you willing to say, God, I want to be a living sacrifice? I don't know all that that means. I don't know all that that actually looks like, and I don't know all that it entails. But this I know. I know that you're in this place, and I am willing to be a living sacrifice to you. I think that this new season starts right here, Whitechapel Church, by us saying, God, I surrender completely to you. I want to be a living sacrifice, and I want to be exactly who you want me to be. So as we sing here in just a moment, I want to ask you to make that commitment to the creator of the universe. I want to ask you to say, God, I want to be, in view of God's mercy, a living sacrifice and giving my body to you and everything, everything that my body has. You see, Brooke talked about it this morning as she started, as she started our service with Scripture and talking to us about giving. She talked to us of what it was like to be a sacrifice to the one who first gave for us. So we have to make this commitment before we go into this new journey, before we talk about consecration, before we figure out what that looks like, before we get into being a priesthood and before we fully flesh out what it's like to be a refuge of grace, it starts this morning as committed living sacrifices to the God who first committed to, him, to us and sacrificed himself, paving the way for every single one of us. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.
and be blessed.